CIM podcasts. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the CIM podcast. And you know, sustainable marketing, sustainability in marketing is the next big thing. And I'm delighted today to have with us two of the three authors of a great new book that is emerged on the scene, Sustainable Marketing. Garen Evans is not with us today, but two other authors of this book, Michelle Carvel and a familiar voice on the CIM podcast, Gemma Butler from CIM itself, are with us today. Hi, ladies. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. Good to be here. You know, marketing, when it was first perceived as a profession way back in the 1800s, was about building brand share and profit, Michelle. And without sounding too backward, if you like, why does sustainability matter in marketing? Um, isn't that the job of another department? You know, marketing is about the growth and development of business and whose responsibility is business and marketing plays a significant role in business all throughout every single component of business marketing plays a role whether that's growth whether that's people whether that's product whether that's service whether that's customer service marketing plays a role so when it when it comes to sustainability and it comes to where business started, business started out as a force to not only just drive profits, but to take care of the communities that that business was serving. And over the past 50 years, 60 years, we've kind of moved away from the meaning of business, the purpose of business. And marketing really has a role in reigniting that connection through purpose and through brand. Is it led, Gemma Butler, by business more and more becoming this force for society, this force for good, and therefore marketing being a part and parcel of delivery? Or is marketing to some degree leading business? Business hasn't necessarily put its hand up to be the driver and catalyst for change here. So if you look at, and I, I talk about this all the time, as does Michelle, um, Edelman's Trust Barometer 2021, business is actually being seen as the only trusted institution um, at present. Uh, and trust is at an all time low with the fact that we have a, you know, the health crisis and, and the economic crisis and the sustainability environmental crisis. This is really interesting, isn't it? This trust barometer is that actually business has superseded other uh, uh, traditional institutions like government or uh, non-governmental institutions as the most trusted organ in, in the firmament at the moment. Yeah, yeah. so I think the business hasn't necessarily put its hand up for this, but business is being seen as this key driver in, in you know, the biggest challenge we face, which is with the planet we live on. Um, I think, you know, marketing's role within this is sustainability is so complex and it requires, you know, the entire stakeholder chain to come together collectively to, to to affect change and the marketing's role within this is that you know marketing are the guardians of the brand marketing feeds in the voice of the customer to the strategy um, it looks at the propositions and development that we do 
And, you know, and it's also responsible for the communication, both internally and externally. So, you know, marketing traditionally works with all functions across a business. So by the very nature of the marketing profession, we do have a leading role to play. And I'd just like to add, you know, marketing has also played a pretty big role in driving consumption through the roof and creating products that are damaging to the environment and changing behaviours. So it's almost like we now need to use our powers for good because change has to happen. Was part of the problem and now it's part of the solution, Michelle Carville. 100%. You know, it's about taking responsibility, businesses taking responsibility for the role they play in in the in the in the mess we've all created. And and, and marketing, as Gemma said, we drive consumption. We are the persuaders. We are the educators. We are the connectors in the to the to the customer. And and therefore we have power to to consider those messages. If we think about the power that advertising and marketing has seen with social messaging around, for for instance, tobacco and obesity. You can see that when there is a drive towards doing something, marketing can play a significant role in educating and changing behaviours. And we don't want to get to a crisis situation with the climate, but we are fast approaching a crisis situation and responsible marketing really now isn't optional organizations know that they need to be doing something we know that we need to be doing something now not in 2030 or 2050 but now so we meet those targets and organizations can't greenwash their approach you know they can't say they're doing one thing but actually they're not doing it because consumers are definitely more conscious and as Gemma said they are looking to business to do the right thing so there is this growing consumer pressure for organizations to be doing the right thing but bigger than that there is a climate crisis and a climate emergency for businesses if they truly want to be sustainable and operational moving forward they have to now include sustainability as part of their plans there is this interesting paradox isn't there that that actually sustainability was until relatively recently seen as an add-on and an expensive add-on for some businesses and now without it without a, a solid sustainability plan it's pretty difficult to get investment. You know, that seems to me to be a relatively recent switch, Gemma Butler, but one that is going to be a fundamental one. Yeah, and I think, you know, this is this is where, you know, business is seen as this central driver for change. But actually, everyone has to make change because consumers want it. Business needs to deliver on it. Investors are demanding it. So, you know, Larry Fink from BlackRock has been very, very vocal about the fact that they will not invest in organisations unless they have a sustainable development plan that sits at the core of their business. And if that's not enough, regulation is going to force it. You know, there's no secret that COP26 is coming up in November and countries have very, very specific goals around, you know, climate change and net zero and all of these things that you hear. So regulation is going to force it. And the 
the, the clock is ticking, quite frankly, um, and we, we need to make changes. So, yeah, it, it's being forced. Our hand is being forced. Effectively, we don't have a choice. We don't have a choice, but marketing is fundamentally there to sell product, to sell services. While ever we're consuming more at all, Michelle, how is it possible to market and sell sustainably? Oh, there are just so many ways. I mean, responsible marketing is about considering the end-to-end journey of that product or service. You know, we're not saying to businesses, stop what you're doing. We're saying get responsible. And marketing plays a huge role there because from understanding the research going on out in the climate, the innovations that are happening around products and service delivery, uh, from the innovations around materials that are used, from designing with the end in mind, taking responsibility. If we've got this product, we've got this service, what happens at the end of life of this product or service? How can we now bring this back into the circular economy? You know, what else could be happening? It's not just about selling product. It's about doing the right thing, designing products that that have that end of life in mind, that serve the consumer and make the consumers feel better about their purchasing decisions. Because we know that when consumers make purchasing decisions, they're pretty loyal. So if they know they've got the right product and they know it ticks their their own personal sustainable boxes, then they're likely to stick with with that product or service. And the marketers then can talk about what they're doing in an authentic way. There's not greenwashing, there's no awkwardness, there's no posturing. It's a reality that this is what we are delivering and these are the solutions we're providing. Really interesting point you make that it actually goes back to the product design, the service design and the organisational design that has to happen before this thing even goes out to the market, before this thing even goes out to the customer. Now, that strikes me as a very big challenge for marketers, because what you're essentially saying is that marketers have to get involved in every part of the business, every part of the supply chain, to make sure that the reality matches the rhetoric. That, Gemma Butler, is going to be a big step, isn't it, for marketers who want to do this and do it well? Yes, and I think, you know, this has always been part of parcel of what marketing is, and this is something, you know, at CIM that we, we've been banging the drum about you know since time began that marketing isn't just about selling stuff it's not just about advertising it goes all the way back through you know to the strategy to the very very start and you know I think sustainability is going to change the conversation in terms of strategic development and the role marketing plays because if investors are demanding it then suddenly the CFO of an organization has to start listening and they need to know how do they navigate their business forward for financial growth or whatever it is that is required. They need to have this insight that marketing is known to be the guardians of. Is that already happening, Michelle? Have sustainable marketeers got the year of the CFO I think it's pretty fertile territory. Uh, I think it's starting. And and we know we've, you know, I've spoken to a number of marketers that have actually started this this journey. You know, it, it started for them through a rebrand has come around. And now this is the perfect time to kind of stop, reflect, pause. Who are we? What are we? Are we aligned with our values? How do we move forward? And how do we do this in a sustainable way? What elements make sense for us 
out of the bigger sustainable goals that align with our brand and our values that we can act on now and move the dial on and and how are we going to implement that and they are the ones bringing together teams internally to make these things happen and as Gemma said if marketing is purely based on promotion and selling stuff that is not marketing that's just one tiny component of marketing sustainability and and this sustainable agenda really drives marketing back to the heart of purpose back to the heart of brand back to the role that it really always always was positioned to have and we've become so fractured and fragmented the 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 promotional stuff the selling bit should really be the tip of the iceberg the top of the pyramid if you like and all the really good stuff the meat if you like is uh, in that wider part of the pyramid at, at the bottom interesting point about brand and brand alignment though i mean it does strike me that some, for some brands the challenge is going to be a lot greater than others and what i mean by that is that some brands rightly or wrongly already have a fairly sustainable eco-friendly image than perhaps some brands which have not been associated with that and may in some cases unfortunately been associated Gemma with the exact opposite. Well I mean you've got the Patagonias and the Ben and Jerry's of the world you know and, and they they've started with that core of sustainability that you know their whole purpose is about making a positive difference to the world from the get-go and then you've got I guess large corporates you know and they're essentially, whether they want to or not, they're going to have to reverse somewhat into, into sustainability and purpose. And reversing into purpose is, you know, it's, it's not that it can't be done, but because they're so established, because they're so big, you know, and because it's like turning around an oil tanker, that's what they're going to have to do in the approach they're going to have to take. So I think, you know, whether you are a, a very large corporate or whether you are a startup it doesn't matter sustainability absolutely has to be built in and done properly and done responsibly you know leading on purpose will restore trust and it will enable marketers to really you know get back to what they're supposed to be doing which is you know growing the core of the brands that they love and building business back up again and can I just add in there that as well as all of that it's good for business it's good business is profitable. So the Unilevers of the world that you know maybe didn't start out with purpose and sustainability at the very heart of everything they're doing are very quickly understanding and learning that actually their products that are more purpose driven and have a more sustainable approach are the ones that are 65% more profitable. So what are they doing? They're looking at their whole portfolio and saying, how do we now switch this because they're recognizing as have many many thousands of businesses that understand that actually good business is good for business it really does drive profits there are so many pieces of research out there that even when organizations have started out doing this just for risk mitigation they've identified that actually it's become a big profit driver and so now you know this sustainable business is is a profitable, you know, it's a profitable centre. So they are driving more sustainable activity within their organisations because it's good for business. 
It, it certainly is. And the evidence is showing that. And if you've managed to build that infrastructure, that organizational design, as we talked about earlier, that product design, that service design that lends itself uh, to sustainable products and services and sustainable marketing, you've still got to go out and tell your customer about it. The simple truth is that communication is still absolutely crucial to this. You know, nobody knows you are sustainable, ultimately, unless you tell them you're sustainable and tell them how you're being sustainable. But how do you do that while avoiding accusations of greenwashing and avoiding the sort of, you know, I do a lot for charity, but I don't like to talk about it problem? I think when it comes to communication around sustainability, there's two really important elements. There's there's internal communication and there's external communication. And both are equally as important as each other. And, you know, in terms of changing behaviours, social marketing plays a big key role in this. Um, and that is ultimately continuously talking about what you're doing and why you're doing it so that behaviours change and you get people to think in a slightly different way. You know, in terms of Patagonia talks um, all the time around how you need to repair and reuse your clothes as opposed to just keep buying new clothes and throwing them away. So there is a real piece of social marketing that needs to come in here as well. Um, And then there's really the case of, you know, I guess giving your purpose authentically and accurately and meaningfully um, because let's face it people know if you know customers know if you're greenwashing consumers can spot greenwashing a mile off these days and it's about actually embedding it if it's not embedded in your strategy from the start then you'll very very quickly be picked up on it within your communication and I think it's about your messaging being accurate and clear and meaningful and consistent you know and most organizational programs internally fail because they're not communicated throughout the organization internally and again this is where internal communication is really really important because education and we said this you know we wrote the book because of this education is key the biggest learnings we had from writing the book was actually how much we didn't know and i think it's marketers have to take some responsibility and educate themselves on on sustainability and the areas and the impacts that their business have and what they can do to take that forward and progress it. Well, once they've educated themselves, Michelle, which is a a challenge in itself, then they've got to go and educate, presumably, every other key part of the business, haven't they? I mean, they can. Yeah, absolutely. And that is championing sustainability within the organization one part of that is going to be around educating others and that could be as simple as you know sending them to courses i'm developing a course with sim which is for the sustainable marketer to to learn exactly how to do that and to look at how they would start they can read books they can there's a wonderful course by the carbon literacy um trust there's there's various things that people can do to educate themselves as a marketer but importantly that part of the education I think it has to come back to that fundamental of as an organization the marketer knows you can't make a silk purse out of a pig's ear 
that will come across as greenwashing. So, so that marketer with that knowledge can take that back into the organization and show the business case for why you really need to be educating yourself, not just as the marketer, you know, their education then needs to go back and say, look, you know, look at the evidence, look at the stats, look at the facts, look at what is going on here, look at how we have to behave differently and why we have to behave differently. And then let's look at what we can practically do. And let's start with some low hanging fruit that feels comfortable that we can get started with. And let's build some frameworks and let's get going. The key is to taking action and getting started. Nobody's going to get this perfect, you know, but there are enough great case studies out there. There are B corporations, there are the Patagonias, there are the the uh, the Ben and Jerry's, there are the newer organizations like the Brew Dogs who have come out 10 years later and said, we got it wrong. We made these mistakes and now we are reversing into purpose and this is how we're doing it 10 years in. And they're being very vocal and they're being very authentic and very clear with exactly what they are doing. It's interesting, isn't it? Those brands that you mentioned are to some degree or other, you know, connected with with a strong sustainability sense. You know, they 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 have built their brand to some extent around that. Um, you know, earlier in the show we talked about uh, the, the challenge for the bigger corporates that perhaps have a more rigid model. You know, I go to the supermarket every two weeks or whatever, and I see all sorts of stuff which I think you know really shouldn't be happening anymore in terms of packaging and all that sort of stuff and when it gets delivered to my door, I wince at the amount of rubbish that's coming through my door that doesn't need to be there. Have you seen anything in the big corporate world, in the world of multiples or bigger companies, in terms of doing low handing fruit, small projects, which has really impressed you that's going in the right direction? I mean, I think in terms of you talk about packaging, you talk about the grocers. I think, you know, if you if you look at it as each individual grocer, then there's very much, you know, they've all been making strong inroads into reducing the amount of plastic they have. Uh, I believe Tesco's is leading the way in terms of reduction of packaging. I think where there needs to be improvement is in the reporting of um, sustainable efforts and progress, because some talk in percentages, some talk in weights, some talk in, you know, we've reduced our plastic um, in certain areas of their business. And I think there's not enough consistency in reporting out to the to the consumer and to other businesses um, collectively as to what they're doing as an industry. And there is a need for a better, um, more consistent reporting metrics like finance. You know, finance report the numbers and they all report in a very very similar if not the same way but when it comes to sustainability reporting they there is no there is no fixed set of metrics you know there is nothing that as a consumer you could look at and go okay i want to now only shop at that grocer because actually it's a minefield and they can report what they want how they want so that that's part of the problem as as i see it it is that's a great point isn't it michelle it's very difficult to benchmark we talk about the sustainability bottom line, but the way that they measure their bottom line is different from company to company. So therefore, it makes it very difficult to benchmark them, which isn't the case in sort of their pre-tax profits or EBITDA or any of the other traditional metrics by which we assess a business. How would you like to see it done? 
I'm very simple, you know, I'm very simple. I would like a, a handful of metrics. It's kind of like the, the red, amber, green traffic light system that we see on our products now around sugar and salt and fat content. Uh, I would love to see a carbon impact measurement across businesses, whether you are a product, whether you're a service, whether it's on your products, regardless, there is one carbon impact metric uh, graphic traffic light system and it is really it's I mean it's going to be complex and that's what happens isn't it the complexity has to come down to the simplicity and that's where the skill and the art really is. How do you go about creating a, a metric that everybody signs up to is it something that comes from government the regulator the industry itself where, where does it come from Gemma? Uh, it's a very very complex complex situation and there is you know I think it's um it's it's across all stakeholders you know government has to play a part in it and business has to play a part in it and then you know I I think corn have gone down a carbon labeling route and I know a few years ago that Tesco's um went out to to start carbon labeling across all of the products in their store and whilst they were successful on their own brand products when it came to you know carbon labeling for the other hundred thousand odd SKUs that they have in their stores that opens up other suppliers their supply chains and the complexity is just so enormous behind that to try and get to that single traffic light system was was something that they they abandoned in the end so you know it is exceptionally complex but I think it's about people talking to each other and working together effectively and this is where we all need to pull together you know you've got the Paris Climate Agreement which you know thankfully the US have signed back into yeah. but you know you've got all these countries across the world who have signed up to this yet it's not mandatory to meet the targets you know you have to be it's effectively you're going to be named and shamed and they're, they're relying on peer pressure and I listened to a really interesting talk by a lady called Catherine Hayhoe recently. Um, and she was talking about the fact that, you know, we know there's a problem. And we keep talking about the problem. It's time to start talking about why it matters. And I think right. that's something that marketing really needs to grab hold of. You know, it's why it matters. We're doing this because just commend this to the audience this book uh, sustainable marketing by michelle carwell joan butler and garen evans ladies when you were researching your book you saw, saw presumably the good the bad and the ugly of sustainable marketing um when you emerged from it and this thing hit the bookshelves available in all good bookstores were you left with a feeling of optimism pessimism or something in between michelle I, I am a radical optimist. I mean, look at what we've done with COVID-19. Look at how the world mobilised with COVID-19. You know, there have been some errors. We're not saying it's all been perfect. But the world had to stop. It had to pause. It had to start working together. And we had to confront this crisis together as a collective. And we've got solutions. We've got collective solutions that haven't been created by one country, that have been created by whole nations, by the whole, you know, impacting people at all levels, regardless of what they do. And for me, that mobilisation as a collective was so inspiring as much as, you know, it's been a challenge. It's been super inspiring because we are relatively lazy as humans. 
And we will only mobilise when there is crisis. We're all quite comfortable, heads in the sand, until there is a crisis. My challenge, the only thing, so I'm very confident that we can get ourselves out of this. You know, I'm totally with David Attenborough. It's not too late, but it's getting too late. We can do it with this, but we can't leave it to the last minute. The response to the pandemic with the vaccinations is, is a fantastic analogue, isn't it? It's an inspiring analogue and it's a great point. And, you know, that that actually when we want to do something as a planet, we do find it within ourselves to come together and do it as a team, as, a, as you say, a collective. But Gemma Butler, optimistic, but there needs to be an urgency message. Without an urgency story, it won't happen quick enough. Absolutely. And, and you know me, Ben, um, whilst Michelle's a radical optimist, I am an angry pessimist. But actually, you know, emerging from this book, emerging from um, writing it and, and burying ourselves in it, you know, we actually feared that sustainability would fall back to the bottom of the world's agenda. And we talked about that in the lead up to the publication of the book. But actually, because of the pandemic, because of how everyone pulled, has pulled together, there has only been a few delays in initiatives around sustainability. And that's, you know, in terms of the infrastructure and the recycling and the waste and the technology. But the term build back better is absolutely a term that just keeps coming up again and again. And I think there's really something around brand activism, activism, sorry, social initiatives, environmental initiatives that organisations are really grabbing and running with. So I've actually turned a bit of a corner and I'm I'm optimistic that if we all pull together and the message is out there and it's strong enough and we need to understand why we need to do these things, then actually we do need to drive this forward. And I think, you know, there is a real case for change um, ahead of us. And I think Build Back Better, we've been given an opportunity here to kind of almost reset the dial and and, and keep going forward as opposed to, you know, letting it fall to that at the bottom of that agenda again. Build back better, be realistic, but do be optimistic. Gemma Butler, Michelle Carville, thank you very much indeed. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Ben. Great to be here. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can also join the conversation on Twitter at CIM underscore exchange, where we'll keep you updated about the latest episodes. See you next time. CIM Podcast.